Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 215, a testimony of surrendered gender. Yeah, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. We're coming at you from the frozen tundra <laughs> of the WCSG radio studio. I think it's minus something. Uh, and where our guest is at, it's minus more. Mm. Uh, but my name is Lori Krieg and I don't have alongside me my favorite licensed therapist and husband, Matt. He's doing a work thing with all the kids home for a snow day. Uh, so he's doing a little COVID action where he's training. Uh, he doesn't have COVID, but it seems reminiscent of the COVID era where he's doing training and watching the kids and God help them all. But I do have alongside me, my friend and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi guys. I don't know about the professional voice today because I've been fighting a cold, but I think I'm winning but I'm yeah. still a little plugged up. You're so. totally winning. I can't tell at all. <laughs> but guys, talking about that surrender gender, we have an awesome interview conversation today with a new friend of the podcast, Kyla Gillespie. Welcome, Kyla. Hi, Lori. Hi, Steve. We're so, so glad, glad how to many, be here with you. How many minus is it? Is minuses <laughs> is it where you are? It's only like minus two. Oh, that's not so bad. And where yeah, are not you? Not so bad. I'm in uh, Vancouver, BC, Canada. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Steve is going to tell us a little bit more yes. about where you're from, what you're involved in. Kyla is an active and involved member of her local church, Gospel City, in Port Coquitlam. That's a cool name of a place. Yeah. Uh, in uh, BC, Canada. Uh, she has a passion for teaching, speaking, and sharing the gospel. She travels within Canada and the U.S., speaking, writing blogs, and doing podcasts. She's been a contributor for the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender uh, in film and at their conferences, and runs her own ministry, Renewed and Transformed. Love it. And we love the Center for Faith. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. Let's do the question of the week. Kyla. I feel like I always need to apologize for these questions of the week. When people come in, they've written books, they're running ministries, they're sharing their story. And I'm like, let's first do something stupid. So here you go. What is your favorite childhood cereal? And what does yeah. it tell us about you? <laughs> I had to think hard about this. Right. Um, Sugar Crisp was my ultimate family, Sh or sorry, young um, cereal that I loved to Ooh. eat. Yeah. Uh, although our family didn't uh, allow us to have very much sugar, so it was like <laughs> the regular Cheerios most of the time. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel that. We had to always do like, we had, it was called a good for you cereal. And so we'd pick a good for you one and then <laughs> Cheerios. And then we could do like the frosting on top would be a little bit of Lucky Charms, but <laughs> we'd at least try and do half and half. Uh, but Steve, which listener response did you appreciate? I appreciated what Callie shared on Facebook. Rice Krispie Treats cereal. It's so over the top sugary, it barely even qualifies as breakfast. <laughs> and she says, and I'm an over the top excitable person. Aww. I just appreciated like how meta that is because <laughs> Rice Krispies is cereal yeah. from which we get Rice Krispie Treats. Oh. And then to turn that into its own cereal I feel like it's just like it's poetry and exactly. Motion. Yeah. Have you ever had that? <laughs> I don't think I have. It's so good. It makes the milk it delicious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I liked this from my friend Deb on Facebook. And guys, as always, you are welcome to join the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook group. Just search it up on Hole in My Heart or on Facebook. Look up Hole in My Heart and you'll find us. Hi, this is Deb from Jamestown. 
My favorite cereal growing up was Lucky Charms, if I was lucky enough to get a box. More realistically, I was able to get my hands on some Life cereal, and that was my second most favorite. I did not like Rice Krispies because I thought the whole thing was a hoax. They don't snap, crackle, and pop. I would tell everyone, be quiet, and then I would hold my ear right up above my cereal bowl, try not to get milk on it, and I would listen really hard. Nope, nothing. It was all lies, false advertising. But then I got hearing aids. Oh. Wow, I listened one day, and sure enough, they really do snap, crackle, and pop. Who knew? <laughs> Isn't that adorable? That is. She couldn't hear the snap, crackle, and pop, but then she got hearing aids, and she's like, they do! Right. Oh, uh, they sure do. <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to move uh, into the reason we do this podcast, although I do love the fun parts. Uh, but Kyla, we ask every guest this, if the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. How is that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still? Right. Yeah. So um, when I think of this, um, part of my story, it starts so young. Like I was about five years old when I experienced, um, I played hockey at a really young age. Uh, my brother and my cousin played hockey. And um the first experience of gender identity and gender dysphoria, I say really young age, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have any um, um, language to it. I was five years old, if you can right. imagine. Um, one playing hockey and one figure skating. One, They made me wear a tutu. Oh, and boy. that was, uh, yeah, I didn't like that at all. And then the second one was when coaches came to my parents and they asked them um, if I could change in a different dressing room. And then I realized, well, maybe I'm different than the boys. Hmm. And so as I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home. And I would say um, I love Jesus at such a young age, except for I had a distorted view of the gospel. We talk hmm. about this radical gospel. And, and what it was is um, I grew up in the 80s and a lot of it had to do with this outside appearance. Yeah. Like, and we're not talking about like what's going on inside. Um, at a young age, uh, falling in love with Jesus um, and then going to church every day. And, and um, at the age of 14, my parents told us that they were getting a divorce. Hmm. And this really rattled my whole world. I was like this Christian family that loves Jesus. My dad was an usher at church. My mom was uh, in the like on the worship team. And here I am um, going, whoa, okay. Like, what does this look like for us? Um, my dad actually ended up, my mom and my dad actually ended up asking me who I wanted to live with. And at 14 years old, I had to choose who I want to live with. And I didn't know. So I was wrestling with this at such <laughs> a young age. And yeah. um, without knowing, I just chose my mom. And from there, uh, my dad... He would go to church, but my mom actually started dating and remarried a non-believer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so her life completely changed. Here she was going to church every day and all this kind of stuff. And we were raised in this strict Christian home. And then we weren't. And my dad continued to go to church. And he actually re remarried a woman with five kids. 
Oh, wow. Um, when I think of this, uh, going back and forth and back and forth and loving Jesus and wrestling with gender identity, um, I noticed in youth group, actually, that at about 14, 15 years old, most of the girls, most of my girlfriends started to be attracted to the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't the case for me. I was like, oh, my goodness, I internalized this. I was attracted to the same sex. Some of my friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I was wrestling with my parents' divorce, um, living with a stepdad that's a non-believer, and also my gender identity, my sexuality. Mm. And uh, like I said, in the 80s, we just didn't have this conversation. Mm-mm. So I was thinking, okay, God, I'm going to muster up as much strength as I can to follow you. I'm going to put this all into a, a box and I'm going to pretend that none of that exists. And I'm going to, on the outside, what I learned is follow you. Mm. But I did. I had a distorted view of the gospel. If I would see the gospel as I see how beautiful it is, like you explained, Lori, now it would have probably changed the way that I saw God and mm. my uh, wrestles and struggles at such a young age. Wow. So as I was growing up, hockey became one of my biggest passions. Um, and I wanted to get scouted for the nas- uh, Canadian national team. Mm. So what I did is I started playing at a high level in Vancouver and traveling back and forth, back and forth. Uh, f- I grew up on Vancouver Island, which was about uh, about a two-hour ferry ride from Vancouver. And I would do mm. it a, a few times a uh, week in my grade 12 year. Mm. And I, I did. I got scouted. And really, honestly, I just wanted to move out of that place. I wanted to be away from uh, everybody, my mm. family, um, even even my youth group, because I just didn't fit, feel like I fit in. Right. And so as I was growing up, uh, it was probably about 18 years old, and I, I got scouted and I started to play hockey, like I said, in Vancouver. And that was my first introduction to the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. And in there, I started to recognize, oh my goodness, like other people have the same experience as me. Here's Mm. language to all the feelings that I've been suppressing my whole childhood and my teens. And, uh, but at that time I was set, I love Jesus. I'm gonna tell you about God. Um, You know, I'm gonna follow Mm -hmm. him. I'm gonna muster up all that strength that I don't have mm, external <laughs> put a smile on my, yeah, I'm going to put a smile on my face and I'm going to be good. But the problem with that is you can only do that for so long. Mm. And uh, what happened is I got scouted and I moved to uh, Calgary, Alberta to train with the national program. And I was heavily um, introduced even deeper into the LGBTQ plus community. I met some really amazing friends. And they started to talk with me and we had this language and I was like, oh my goodness, I still love Jesus, but I I really care about you guys, but I want to follow him. And mm-hmm. there was this tension inside of me. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't know what to do. My dad had really um, hurt me. He had started a new life. And I remember him saying to me over the phone at about 19 years old, he's like, it's just easier to start over. And what he meant by that is just start over with his new family. And that crushed me because my dad was one of my biggest hockey fans. My, 
you know, it came to everything. I was really close with him. And here I was dealing with these emotions at 19 years old of abandonment now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in that air, in that place of just not knowing what to do with my gender, my sexuality, my dad, my family. Um, and I just uh, reached out and I took a first drink at 19 years old. And I didn't know at that time what alcoholism was however it was that to me like i blacked out and wow. if first if i would have known like you just went all in to alcohol yeah there was no stopping oh, because wow. i really was so hurt Aww. and i just wanted to numb this i just mm-hmm. wanted to be okay with my sexuality and my gender i just wanted to be okay with with uh, where i was at what my dad was doing what my family uh, was doing. And from there, uh, I did, I spent 11 years in addiction, uh, oh. very slowly killing myself in mm-hmm. alcoholism. Um, just jumping a little bit ahead when I came out, when I started to drink, what I did is I suppressed all these things by drinking. And I came out as gay when I was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did is I had, I knew the truth mm-hmm. and I knew that I, loved Jesus, so I thought, but I just didn't think that I could have these two tensions and follow him. (laughs) So your question about like the reality of the gospel, it didn't hit the core of my heart then. And as I was in addiction and same-sex relationships, in 2011, I I reached out to actually my pastor um, when I was young and 50 all the way up to about 15 years old and he was in vancouver now and so we started to do some counseling together Mm. i said to my pastor like i'm i'm dying inside and i want to transition because at this time i had just uh, met a few people that were uh, transgender that i Mm -hmm. played hockey with and now that that other experience the other um uh I could relate to their language. I could say, hey, yeah, that's what I'm I'm doing. And so there was no um, understanding of the full gospel in its totality because I still thought that I couldn't follow Jesus and have these things. Right. And so just to go a little bit further into my uh, testimony, this recovery house that I went into Uh, In 2011, I ended up going into a recovery house for women. Um, Actually was a Christian recovery house. And um, it was a full circle because I grew up four square and (sighs) we had to go. It was mandatory on Sundays to go to a four square church. And there was this ministry on Saturdays that we went to and it was called God Rock. And that ministry... um, was great ministry. It was a it was a really opportunity for me to open up in my recovery and but in recovery we say accept a God of your own understanding. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And this God looked a lot like me. <laughs> and so uh, what I did is I ended up six months into my recovery transitioning from female to male. Hmm. That was like I, your kind of image, like the God that you imagine was like you as male or what was like, was it as clear mm-hmm. as that or no? 
it was uh, the God of my own understanding would have been someone that accepted me for who I thought I was. All my feelings and all my desires. Yeah. Uh, he would say, yes, I, I believe that you can be whatever you want to be. And, and you really and believed that. Like that was like not like a false, like on the surface level. And then you were still questioning. Like that was like, I really believe this. I did, but I still knew the truth. Hmm. But I had suppressed it for so long and, and I thought, okay, I think that I can follow Jesus and still have this other life. Right. Yeah. So as I started to go to God Rock and to church, God started to meet me. Uh -oh. He started to press in on areas of my life. But it was the f probably about four or five years into my transition. So I lived as male for six years. And Fully, it was so, so just so people can understand, because we've talked about different levels of transitioning. Can you just tell us, like, what do you mean by that transitioning yes, for you? Absolutely. So in Canada and BC here, we have to live at least a year uh, as our desired gender. And then you can go see certain psychiatrists, certain um, endocrinologists and such. And then you can begin the process of transition. So I had some friends and they walked me through the process. Uh, I talked to this psychiatrist. They evaluated me as a high level of gender dysphoria. And um, then I started testosterone. Okay. So you um, started socially transitioning. Like, yes. For almost a year. Okay. And then you went to a psychiatrist to get hormones to then hormonally transition. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I changed my name to from Kyla, my birth name, to Bryson. Okay. And I was still in a same-sex relationship, going mm -hmm. to church, uh, you know, thinking, again, just not understanding the full weight of the gospel. And, uh, and then these new people came in about four or five years into my transition into God Rock, and they took over the ministry. And I'll never forget it. They started opening up the word of God, one from the pulpit, but also in small groups. Hmm. And we started to open up the word of God. And I, I knew I was hungry for real people that love Jesus. Huh. And I was desiring this from at a small age, like just teach me how to be a Jesus follower, to love him with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. And also wrestle with these things as I become more like Jesus. Yeah. And so as we started to dig into the word of God and really get to know each other, it was about a year period of this really engaging into the word of God and becoming friends, uh, actually friends with more the male um, ministry leaders than actually the female, because at this time they didn't know, know that I was transgender. They didn't know I completely passed as male hmm. and so once i started feeling comfortable and trusting them i went to my pastor bj and jess and i said to them hey guys like i really want to have a conversation with you because what we don't sometimes realize as a transgender person is that we have the, i had this whole life of 33 years of being female all my accomplishments in hockey and all this and it Sometimes it feels like you're carrying this weight and holding this secret. Mm. And as they started to open up their life to me, I 
started to want to open up mine. So I asked them, can we, can we sit down and talk? And I remember it so clearly. Um, it was 2016 and we sat in their living room and I just poured out my heart to them. And I remember BJ, my pastor, just saying, Bryson, like, we love you even more. Wow. And at this time, I wasn't even, like, on my radar detransitioning. Wasn't even. I had lived as almost six years as male and Bryson uh, fully passed. And so in this process, as we started to dig into the Word of God and it started to penetrate my heart, um, and... I started to ask some deep questions. And then one day I found myself so deeply depressed and so um, just suicidal, honestly. And I'm like, how could I be transgender? You know, like I did everything that I thought would satisfy me and it never did. Mm. And now here I am in another place of just complete uh, brokenness. Mm. And I was crying out to God on my bedroom floor and I just heard him say, Kyla, return to me. <gasps> and I was like, well, what do you mean return to you? Like, can I follow you and be Bryson? And I heard him say clearly to me, no. What? Wow. And I was like, I was weeping. And I'm going like, I don't know what this looks like, God. Like, would I ever be female again? And all I heard was, do you trust me? And are you willing? And I cried out in that moment, yes. And so, you know, when you make a promise <laughs> and you wake up the next day and you're like, hey, God, you know that promise that I made? <laughs> and he's like, renegotiate this promise. JK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did. I, I just went, I went to my pastor's wife, uh, Jess, and I said to her, I said, Jess, like, I feel like, God is asking me to detransition and I, and I don't know how to walk this out. And it was crazy because about a year ago, um, before this, she said to me, you know, don't know what this means. Um, and she said, I feel like the Holy spirit just wants you to know if you ever decide to detransition, you can come live with us. Oh, and you don't have to pay. You can just stay with us for as long as it takes. No pressure. But I just felt the spirit lead me to tell you that. And it <sighs> did take a lot of courage for her to say that because at that time I wasn't thinking about it. Right. But I remembered back to when she said that. And I remembered that it would have taken another year probably to detransition. And that hard place where I would have been, you know, just so broken and lost and questioning and going through hormones. And so I did, I said, can I come live with you? And they said, absolutely. <sighs> and so, you know, like as we intertwine the gospel, what you asked Lori, mm -hmm. it's, I see the gospel for its beauty and for what it is. It's, it's this gospel that invites us to come as we are and invites us not just to stay as we are, but to say, I'll surrender everything to you because I know you are good. I know that your um, your commands and your law and all these things are best for me to flourish. Yeah. And, and so when I look at it in a radical view, the way I see the gospel now, I see it as, as not burdensome. It doesn't mean I don't struggle and I don't have 
uh, you know, days where I just want to give up and right. and hard times, but I see it in a whole different light now. Wow. 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 Uh, thanks so much for sharing your story. Um, it's amazing just how God met you uh, right where you were and that that community also was willing to meet you where you were. That's it was you said it was called the rock god rock god rock at the time so and you were involved like you weren't just kind of like passively attending like you were involved in like men's ministry and then you became involved in women's ministry at, at some point what was what was that process like actually just practically moving from serving in this area to that area right so we were a really small ministry um, at the time, there was maybe 60 to 80 people that came. Um, it dwindled off as these new people started to open up the actual Word of God. Mm. And okay. we started oh. to actually yeah. uh, see that it calls us to something. Yeah. Um, and so we did. We, we became really tiny. And at that time, because we were so small as a group, um, we did most ministry like Bible studies and home groups and all that as like a core group of both genders. Um, and so for me, it was easier to navigate this because I had the men and women. However, I did walk closely with my pastor BJ and uh, one of my closest friends when I was Bryson, his name is Kyle. And we would hang out every day and we would open up the word of God. We would, you know, like share deepest, darkest places of our lives together mm. with one another. And I valued that. I valued that they met me where I was at um, and didn't exactly try to change me. Um, however, they called me to this. Like what? Like Call. what would they call you to? Because right. people on the internet, and I could just like cry for like five straight minutes, where I see people all caps, you're not a boy, you're a girl, blah, blah, you're playing Frankenstein with God's design. And then they're like, I bet they love Jesus now. Is that what they walk away from their all caps message? Like, can you, can right. you talk like about the nuance of what they were calling you to? Right. So when I sat down with Jess and BJ, and thanks, Lori, that's a great question, is um, I said to them, guys, I don't know what this looks like. I want to have the authority of God's word over my life. I know that you guys already do. And I want that to dictate how I live my life. Hmm. But here I am in this place where I don't know I do know the truth of God, and I do know the Bible from Genesis to Exodus, or sorry, Genesis to Revelation, and I do know some scripture, but I don't know how to actually implement that into my life and surrender and follow Christ. And so they said, yes, let's do this. They said to me, like, Bryson, we're going to need so much grace. We've never walked this out with anyone before. Uh, would you extend grace because we are going to hurt each other. We are going to fail you in mm. certain areas. And I said, absolutely. And I said, you guys know, like, I need to, to ask for grace on your behalf because I'm going to get defensive and I'm going to say things that might hurt you. Mm. And they said, absolutely, let's extend that. So I think that we had this 
desire and agreement to follow Christ with our whole entire lives. Yeah. And when to when people come to that place and they say, okay, let's follow Christ with our lives, what does that look like? Then I think it's different from the average person that just doesn't know Christ, hasn't accepted him, and, and then how do we walk that out together? So what we did is we just, they just loved me where I was at. Um, they didn't have a time frame or a timeline. Mm. And we talk about this now. Some things I didn't know as they were walking with me, right? But I, I asked them, like, how did you guys do this so amazingly? Right. How did you do it so gracefully? And they said, we just loved you. We just want to know you. We just wanted the best for you. And what we did is kept pointing each other to Christ. And uh, that's kind of how we walked it out. When there was an uh, agreement on my behalf, to say, go no, now God's calling me to detransition. I feel the conviction within myself. It's not you guys telling me. Mm-hmm. It's God, the authority that I submit to. Yep. And yes, I do listen to you guys, and I love you, <laughs> and, and I, I am grateful for your words of encouragement and truth. That hurts. However, he's the ultimate person that I surrender to. Mm. And in that place, I, I just said, yes, I just want to do this and then we started walking closely i started walking closely more uh with heidi and jess who were who were women in the ministry wow wow so what i love and what burned my eyes with tears as you were talking several times but specifically when you said they said we just wanted to love you And like, that is what shatters my heart when I see this conversation on the internet, on podcasts, becoming solely seems like a political weapon, even among the Christians. And I'm like, do you know a trans person? (laughs) Right. Have you ever had a face-to-face conversation? Have you ever done the slow discipleship journey? Do you know what this costs? Not just them, but what it should cost you. So I'm, I'm just reflecting on they loved you first. Right. All caps yelling is not love. <clears throat> no, and, and it breaks my heart too, Lori, uh, when because it's always different usually when we have face-to-face relationship. Right. Somehow all those things that we thought and said on on the internet seem to be like, oh, maybe that wasn't so nice. Maybe that wasn't so kind. (laughs) Right. Maybe that wasn't so gentle. Maybe I didn't love you the way that I'm commanded to love you. Um, and, And so it does, it breaks my heart because if, and now God could have done anything. He could have met me in any way and all by myself. I could have right. walked through this, but he didn't. He knew that I needed people that loved Jesus more than themselves. And and I believe that if I didn't have these radical people that loved me so amazingly, um, I don't know if I could have done it. I mean, there was times in that year of detransition living in their basement where they sacrificed, like you said, Lori, time, energy, and resources to have me there. Yeah. Um, and, and I would text Jess at like two thirty, three in the morning, and, and she was just like down meeting me. What? Now, now, 
<laughs> I was on my bed crying and she's crying and we're praying and we're fighting this battle because this is life. We're in it together. We're, we're in the trenches together. And this is true discipleship as we walk with one another. I believe that that's the way that the Bible demonstrates it. That's the way Jesus demonstrates his love, even with his disciples. Okay. So moving to practical, there's a, there's a large, maybe growing faction of evangelicals who I think really do mean well. Uh, and they say, if you're going to walk with a transgender person, never use their name, their chosen name, never use their chosen pronouns, always call them into who they truly are, and that will save them. What, what do you say to that? Yeah, this is where it gets muddy. This is where it gets difficult. Um, I know where I stand on this conversation. However, um, like as I'm talking with Jess and BJ and Kyle and Heidi, and I'm constantly asking them, like, how did you do this? Like, what would we do if someone else came into our context in this area? Like, um, how would we treat them? And they said, well, there's no cooker, uh, cookie cutter approach yeah. to walking with people. It might not even look the same mm -hmm. for another person that walks. But I was, they said I was soft to the word of God. And they could see the spirit in me at work. And, and that's the thing. Do we think that we are more powerful within ourselves, in our own flesh, to change and to um, to will somebody to love Jesus? Or do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. at work right. that saves and changes people? Right. And that's what they did. They called me to this gospel, right? But they loved me in the mess. Mm. And, and so I think that when we get into this debate, we we forget exactly what we just talked about, the real person. Yeah. Um, the real person that's hurting. Like, are we asking questions like, what actually is going on in your heart? Like, what are you actually wrestling with? Wrestling with? What is your 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 idols mm -hmm. that you love more than Jesus? And then we can have start to have real conversations. Yeah. Um, but but for me, just Coming from that and now asking this question, I would say, like, I was fully transitioned. Legally, my my birth name was changed. So I, my legal name was Bryson. My my gender marker was changed on my all my ID, even my birth certificate. Um, and I would be like, if I met you and you didn't accept me as that after I tell you my story and be vulnerable with you and you say, sorry, I can't do that. Got to tell you, you've told us your story. I'm convicted now that you got to go by your birth name and your birth gender. And and fair enough. If that's your conviction, yeah. um, then that's your conviction. I'm not asking you to change your conviction. What I'm asking you to do is think deeper than that. Mm -hmm. um, feel deeper than that. Like I always pray, God, Jesus, give me the kind of compassion that you had when you were feeding the crowds and talking to the crowds, it welled up within your gut. Yeah, That's the compassion that I want for people that I'm walking with. <laughs> That's the passion I want. And so I probably would have left the church if someone said to me, sorry, I can't, we can't do that. Why? Um, Why would you have left the church? Because I was living this out. It was real to me. Yeah, It wasn't just like some... Uh, 
thing that I was like, oh, okay, maybe tomorrow it will be gone. It wasn't um, trendy to me. It was like actual like gender dysphoria pain that I felt. And, and I didn't know how to follow Jesus and live with this tension and pain and also be able to thrive in my God-given gender at the time. And so what I had to do is I had to allow the the word of God to penetrate my heart yeah. and to change and transform me. Also for my friends to love me where I was at and call me to more. Can I throw an analogy at you and you just tell me if it's stupid, <laughs> if it applies? So I had this thought pop in my head a couple of weeks ago and I asked Matt if I was crazy and he said I'm not so we'll we'll see we'll see when I think about the like language debate where people are like no I'll never use that language I'll never use that pronoun never 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 I see it as in Holland Michigan near where I live there is this place called Tunnel Park and there is on one side of this tunnel that goes through this huge sand dune, there is a playground, there's like, it just looks like almost a beach, but not the beach. It's more like a park. Then you walk through the tunnel and on the other side, it's, we might call it a different culture. It's Lake Michigan. It's the beach. It like could look mm -hmm. tropical in the summer. But when I think about it, I'm like, okay, if God's ideal is for us to be following and loving him on the playground side. And that's like where most Christians hang out. And your child, your son, your daughter, your friend starts walking through the tunnel and they're a little bit farther down. And you're like, hey, dear one, actually you, you are she, her kid, but can we talk about the internal tension that you're feeling? Like talk about it like you, that was a huge point and how the yeah. gospel is real. But then let's say they're, already, they're way down. Uh, on the other side of the tunnel and now you're you're yelling to them no you're she her <laughs> <laughs> but they're way down there or maybe they've even entered this other culture this beach world you can't keep yelling at them you got to actually start doing the transition yourself in the sense that you're like okay i'm gonna go become enculturated to where they are as an ambassador of the lord use their language because i'm no longer on my side of the tunnel i'm on the other side does that resonate at all? Yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, I think the reason why we don't do this great in the church today is because it costs us. Yeah, to walk and through you the tunnel. You know this, Laurie, oh, as, yeah. You're, yeah, as you're walking with other people. Um, it costs us to go through the tunnel and find somebody. Yeah. Mm. But Jesus is our greatest example. He does this. You. He did this all through the Gospels. He went and found somebody. Yeah. He brought them to them, you know, like he didn't wait always for them to come. Yes, crowds came to him and he did miracles and he saved people. Uh, but most of the time he was going. Yeah. And he says, come follow me. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them how to obey all that I have commanded you. Mm. And behold, I will be with you always mm. and so it's like the great commission <laughs> it's it, it's actually tangible like when we actually do that but it does cost us that's so good all right steve you want to wrap it up here i we could ask yeah, at least i know more questions. i know and um i'm just like very appreciative of being able to be here for this conversation so Aww. thank you um i'm still i'm gonna be really processing this for quite a while, but uh, just thinking about 
our listeners uh, right now, we always like to just be mindful and aware of where somebody might be at. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you would just, I don't know, maybe speak to them, somebody who's listening, they're struggling with gender dysphoria or whatever and wrestling with maybe wanting to transition there at a place where you have been. What, what would you say to that person listening today? Right. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Um, this is a, a hard place because you're over there and I'm over here and I'm not oblivious or like I'm not saying that it's not difficult because yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. The reality of wrestling with these things in a society which either does what you said, Lori, uh, we don't want to go or we shame people or we ridicule people over the internet and we and instead of meeting people where they're at and loving them well, um, that's true. And I'm not I'm also acknowledged that not every church will be like the one that I've experienced. That's my prayer, yeah, my hope too. that we can be hands and feet, we can walk with one another. But I would plead with you to try to find a place where you can build relationship, where you can build trust, where you can find at least one to three people where you can be open and honest where they're also engaging and being open and honest with you because um, doing it on our own just isn't possible. It, it's not okay. And, and we'll die doing it on our own and hanging on to that by ourselves. So I would, I would hope that this gives you hope. Yeah. Um, I pray that this encourages you that you're not alone. I would ask you to reach out. Uh, I know that you guys have uh, an, an amazing ministry, Lori. Uh, and you also will share, uh, you know, my website and yes. everything. Yep. Yeah. Reach out. Don't be alone. Even though I might live far away, let's, let's communicate with one another. Um, and then I would say, bring all your cares, your burdens, your struggles, everything to Jesus because yes. he loves us and he cares for us. And, and stop believing the lie that you have to do this alone. Amen. Yeah, amen. yeah, I will definitely link to Kyla on your Instagram and to your website, which you responded both places, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So if people want to reach out, you're welcome to. Also, you're welcome to reach out to us too. Um, and we can always connect you all with people who can either walk with you in a counseling way or just see you. It's just sometimes people are like, thank you for just emailing back you yeah. know, and seeing me in my pain. Yeah. But Kyla, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Seriously, from the depths of our souls, like for being you, for following Jesus, for working through so many tensions to really embody the gospel uh, to us today. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Steve. It's been a, just an honor and a pleasure to be with you guys today. Oh, man. Well, goodbye to Kyla. And hello, Steve. Let's process a hot second. Uh, what do you think about what stood out to you? What are you, where are you at? Yeah, I just think that the, the personalness of it, you know, like that she's a real person right. and that the people in her life and in that community recognized it and um, walked with her as a real person, not a concept, not a hypothetical, like I feel like happens so much for us online and in the church it's it's a concept versus a real human that yeah. jesus loves and so yeah. that's what struck me is that's how we've got to do it that's the, you know if we're going to enter into this it's got to be with real people that we're doing life with that is so true
And I, I mean, so much stood out to me, but specifically this time, I kept thinking about the Andrew Marin statistic that 86% of LGBTQ people grew up in the church mm. and 72% of the 86 are willing to go back to church mm. compared to only 9% of straight people. So <laughs> uh, every time she, when she was talking, there's a part of me that's like, oh man, we do so many LGBTQ stories and that's kind of what we do. And I'm like... Because look at the harvest. Yeah. We got to keep talking about this because if 72% want to come back, there's this hunger for Jesus. Mm. And when when we only yell through the tunnel, we're not being missional. And we're missing out on the gospel transformation. Yeah. Oh, man. So, guys, please let us know what you think. You can uh, I do respond also on Instagram, Messenger. You can email us at podcast at com. We have a question of the week for next time. Random as ever. I was cooking this week. I hate cooking. I just do. I've never really learned. So I'm teaching myself now at 30 something years old. But what's your favorite spice mix? I used the ranch, Hidden Valley Ranch dressing mix. Didn't know that was one on a whole chicken. <laughs> I made a whole chicken and I didn't kill everyone. So wow. thank you. I know. Great job. Uh, my favorite spice mix, though, is one of the Traeger grill packs when Matt is making the food, and he uses that mix. How about you, Steve? Well, I don't cook, um, but I often get pizza, and sometimes <laughs> I'll get those red pepper flakes yeah, and put... Does that count? Yeah, we're just going to say seasoning. Uh, yeah, so, okay. guys, <laughs> what's your favorite seasoning mix or just straight up seasoning? Uh, we want to know because it's fun. We like getting to know you guys. Email us at podcast.lordcreek.com. We're fine. The Hold My Heart Podcast Facebook group. All right, that's it for us today. Thank you so much again to Kyla Gillespie for joining us today. Thanks always to WCSG, cold or not, uh, and the Zach of All Trades and his amazing intern Delaney. For all of us here at the Whole My Heart Podcast, we'll see you next time. <laughs>